right, so episode 49 with Louis Guarino is about to start, and this is going to be the first because this is part one of part two of this interview. And the reason why is because Louis had a lot, I mean a lot, to give in this interview. And for those who don't know, I actually, you know, have a list of questions that I email to every guest before we start to kind of get an idea of where we're going to go with the conversation. And I think we maybe hit three of those questions in my email because he kept throwing in all this different info. We kept going all over the place with great information. So this is going to be part one of two. So let's get this thing started and I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me today is Louis Aguarino. Say hello. Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, to start us off, I always ask all my guests, what do you got planned for the weekend? Well, planned for the weekend it is the Toronto Pro Super Show, and piggybacking off of that is the uh, Strong Pro Fit Summit. So I know a few people you know, competing, whether it's in the provincials, which is taking place tonight. Um, and obviously the pro show. So we're going to be over there hanging out with those guys. Um, and of course the fit summit, which is the real reason why I'm going to be in that area and that, that building, because we have, um, it's a, uh, two day fitness summit that's geared towards, you know, fit, fitness related uh, info as well as fitness, business related info and it's just like a lot of the top people in the industry you know doing big things um like we were talking about uh like schoenfeld and uh, not schoenfeld he's actually not here this weekend but aragon nick Tuminello, molly galbraith like a lot of uh john goodman and his buddies who are putting on this show so um by the way i'm not getting any money for that promotion it's just that they, it's it's a sick um it's definitely a, it's gonna be a sick time it's my second year going so that's my plan for the weekend that's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, man. It's going to be good. I, I love going to conferences. You just get so much out of it. And, like, it's not even so much what the speakers talk about. It's, like, the conversations you have in between speakers. Exactly. And the people you get to know. It's awesome. Exactly. I think because of the fact that, you know, a lot of this information, right, a lot of stuff that I'm going to go hear, you know, and, and, you know, it's stuff that I'm sure I already know because, you know, I follow these guys. We already talk. But to be able to have these conversations um and just network with people and just you know build relationships because that's what it's all about at the end of the day right in anything you do it's it's all about relationships so just to be able to be with these guys and uh and girls and just uh just talk and really just kind of you know shoot the shit so to speak it's uh it's going to be definitely a great weekend for sure awesome uh so can you tell the audience who you are what you do and how did you get into this whole industry all right. So, again, I am Louis Guarino. I am, by profession, a personal trainer. I was certified in 2012 uh, through NASM. And then I started working in my first gym in 2012. So I got, um, you know, I got certified in like March or April 2012. And then I started working in the gym, um, you know, in a commercial gym 2012 of June. And then, yeah, I've just taken my career from there, um, you know, working with general population people and, 
kind of finding my niche, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. Um, yeah, man, I, I basically got into the whole industry off the premise that, you know, I wanted to be in the health field. Um, originally I was in school for nursing and in my first semester of clinicals, um, it was keeping me out of the gym, you know, as much as I wanted to be there. And I absolutely hated it. And I was like, I'd much rather be in the gym. And I knew that that, you know, right off the bat kind of knew that that's where my place was. Right. You know, some people, they love being working in a hospital. They love working in a, an outpatient setting. Um, for me, it was, I really wanted to be in the gym and I had been toying around with personal training. I actually, the, original um, road that I was going to take was to get my ACE certification because in 2012, ACE and NASM were like the end-all, be-all for all kind of uh, – in the States at least because that's where I'm originally from. Um, that was like the only way that you can get into a commercial gym and start personal training. So I had bought that those books and then I just never actually did anything with them until I was like, you know what? Let me do this again. I was really hating my situation. Not that it was a bad situation, just I wanted more for myself and more for my eventual career. So um, I dropped out of clinical. I dropped out of the nursing program, and I just stayed working full time at the hospital that I was at at that time. Um, and I just studied to become a personal trainer, became one, and then that was all she wrote. Awesome. What what made you want to go into nursing in the first place? Uh, so. My entire family's full of medical professionals, mainly nurses. Um, you know, my father um, has been a nurse for a couple of decades at this point, or just shy of two decades. Um, you know, he worked his way up into the business aspect of nursing, right? So he became a director of nursing. Um, one of my best friends is a nurse practitioner. My aunt is a nurse. My cousins are nurses. So, like, I, I've always been around it. I've always been around that type of field. So, for me, it was it was kind of like simple, right? Like, get you know, get my get my nursing degree and then just continue on, right? Like, I knew that finding a job wasn't going to be an issue, especially at that time as a male nurse, because there was actually more of a demand for male nurses um, at that time, and. You know, it was something like, wow, like, yeah, you know what? Everybody else is a nurse in my family. Let me do it. And I actually, I truly enjoyed, and I still do enjoy the medical aspect of obviously health and fitness. Uh, But for me, you know, being in the gym was kind of like my, that was my office, right? So to speak, that was my way of, uh, of getting the job done in a health, uh, in a health sense. And that's really, you know, where, where I found my, my passion to, to, to continue on. Right. You know, it was, I had a real keen, um, sense of, you know, sense of self-awareness and like what I wanted to do and like what I really wanted out of my life. Um, or at least at that time, I never knew it was going to kind of blossom the way it did. But, you know, of course with, hard work and, you know, learning continually, you know, I can't say that I'm surprised that it's gotten here, but I'm definitely like super grateful that it has. And it just gets better, you know, training gets better. And the more that you learn and the more that you're around regular people that just want to get fit. So nice. Did you have any like Filipino in your family? 
I didn't. I do not. My wife, yeah, believe it or not, um, all the. Um, I, I mean, honestly, you know, I, I don't want to play into the stereotype, um, so I hope I don't offend anybody listening. But you know, obviously, especially where I worked at in Jersey, there was a large Filipino population, and a lot of the nurses that I worked with were Filipino. Um, my wife is half Filipino. Believe her mom is a nurse um, in Australia, and. But my wife had no desire to become a nurse. So, uh, so yeah, there's, but there's no Filipino other than my wife's side of the family now. So, okay. I only ask because, like, my wife's Filipino. And I remember, because we've been dating since, like, high school. And I remember when she decided to go to university for her psych degree and not to nursing, her mom's like, what are you going to do with that? Like, she, like, <laughs> almost didn't understand. So that's why I was, like, wondering, like, oh, you have so many nurses in your family. Maybe you have some sort of, like, Filipino descent. Yeah, for sure, dude. Like, it's just, you know, it's, it, I, I've had conversations now. This is obviously not, um, this is not like statistics speaking. I don't have these statistics, but yeah. in in my experience, my life experience in the hospitals and in, in the medical profession. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of Filipinos tend to be nurses, tend to be, um, they're all in the medical field, which is, I think, honestly, it's awesome. You know what I mean? And, uh, to be around. And that's where I learned a lot of the things that I've learned is, um, from those, you know, from the nurses and, um, in my, in, in that hospital that I was working at. And it just so happened that they were Filipino, but it was great, you know? And I just think it's, a, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say that I'm keeping in the family, but you know, I should have, maybe I should have been a nurse, but maybe not. Who knows? Uh, I think, uh, like, the Filipino culture does really well in that, like, realm because they're so, like, family-orientated. And then when you get treated by a Filipino person, you just feel so, like, oh, you yep. actually care about me. <laughs> yep, yeah. absolutely. I, I think, Phil, you know, the, um, what you know, especially from my, my wife's side of the family, like, they're just some of the most caring, nurturing people and I, that, that's honestly has been my personal experience with that culture. And I just, I think, I think it's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so let's get back on track. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> dude. Um, cause you said you're going to go see a pro show this weekend. So I'm assuming you had some like experience with bodybuilding and figure competitions and things like that. So how did you get into that? Yeah, dude. All right. So for me, so believe it or not, um, my father did his first bodybuilding show. I wish I had this photo, man. I would love to post it up one day. Nice. Um, he did his first bodybuilding show. Um, my family's from Brooklyn. So he did Mr. Bensonhurst, um, 1980. Yeah, it was, it was New Year's Day, 1980. Um, he was... 17 he was just turning up yep, that's exactly it um now that I'm, it's coming to my mind so no, my dad was born in 62 he was 17 he was turning 18 january 2nd and so he competed when he was 17 at his very first uh bodybuilding show and i have a photo of him and it's, he just looked insane um and that's kind of you know believe it or not i had when I, even growing up like i played sports you know i was very big into baseball and soccer um but I didn't really have that passion to compete until I really started taking my, my, my own personal weight training seriously, which was 2000, Jan, it was January of 2006. 
Yeah, I want to say January 2006. And a funny story about that is to kind of give some context as to like what even got me into it. Um, you know, like I said, I'm from originally from New York. Um, spent a lot of time in Jersey. So at that time, um, shows like Growing Up Gotti was a huge was a was a huge show on A and E. Like the whole Guido lifestyle, like you know, <laughs> dudes wearing the 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 boot cut diesel pants with the diesel or Puma shoes and the, the guest t-shirts, like, you know, that whole thing. Right. But everybody that I was seeing around, you know, especially in Jersey and whatnot, you know, they were yoked. Like we'd be going to the beach clubs and we'd go down to the Jersey shore and go to long Island. And these dudes are just jacked. And I'm just like, man, you know, like I really wanted to. And then I actually had my heart broken at that tender age of 18. Oh man. Uh, yeah. I, I had my, my, my girlfriend at the time, she cheated on me and oh, I was no. like, you know, my, my way of, of getting back to her was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to grow muscle and I'm going <laughs> to you know look a certain way. And these old girls are all going to come flock to me and you're going to regret breaking up with me and cheating, you know, cheating on me. So that's really how it started. Believe it or not. Like it was, it was like, uh, like Biggie says, you know, turn a negative to a positive and it was all good. And um, that's kind of where where it all started from, man. I, I took a I took a, a a bad situation and I made it into my life, so to speak, but into a much more positive way. That's funny how like that story is pretty common for a lot of guys. Like they get heartbreak and they're like, you know what? I'm just gonna go to the gym and live there seven days a week. <laughs> dude, that's that was my life, honestly, yeah. dude. That was, um, you know, for me, it was an escape. And I'll also, you know, you got to think about it this way, too. I mean, I think I speak for every – well, not every. I would say about 90 percent of 18-year-old males and females living at home still, you know, clashing with parents because now they feel that they're old enough to do whatever. And, you know, but you're still living under your parents' roof, so it's still their rules. And at that time, you know, I went from being kind of like – a mama's boy to like my mom's worst nightmare, right? Like I just, <laughs> her and I, we butted heads and argued all the time. Um, and for me, like, instead of just being like, you know what, screw this. Uh, you, I, I don't want to be living at home anymore. I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to the gym. I'll talk to you later. And like, that was just my way of kind of venting my, my, my form of venting and, and really just releasing aggression and anger and just, trying to manage my emotions and my feelings i just went to the gym and i just lifted and, and i would stay there and just until i until i calmed myself down or i was too tired because i had lifted too much <laughs> and then i go home and everything was all good again yeah it, it's amazing what exercise can do for your brain because like training like average joe clients and they're like super stressed all the time and then you come into the gym they're like oh i don't feel like being here but then like after their warm-up and then they kind of get into it. They kind of just like mellow out and then they finish and they're like, oh, I actually feel better. I'm like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, gotta remember, you know, it's, I mean, obviously research does show that weight training, lifting weights, exercise in general doesn't even necessarily need to be lifting weights. However, I'm very privy to that and very biased towards it. But just exercising in general just does so much for mental health. Um, it definitely, it shows that, you know, there is, um, it won't obviously cure depression, but it definitely helps with depression, it helps with that coping. It helps with, you know, just feeling better, feeling, um, uh, more positive about yourself. Right. 
Um, obviously, you know, runners get they get the runner high, right? You know, when they when they're going and going and going, they might have a bad day, but next thing you know, they're going and they're just running, and then they feel super great when they're done. Um, that's kind of like that same um, uh, effect that weight training has on me. The moment I get into the gym, I might have had the crappiest day, but I feel better leaving there because I was able to just shut down my mind a little bit and just focus on the task ahead, which was making sure that these dumbbells or these barbells didn't fall on me or hurt me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was really good, man. Like it's, I, I encourage anybody who, you know, just feels down for whatever reason, you know, Hey, just maybe start exercising, start walking a little bit more, you know, start getting out jogging, um, just something to get you started and get you moving and keep you from being sedentary, you know, because once you start doing that, start moving, start feeling a lot better about yourself. Oh, definitely. Um, so when you started training, did you start just training like regular people or were you kind of just thrown into that kind of realm of guys and girls wanting to compete in shows? Nah, dude, actually like my, even though I competed and you know, I was, I had competed for several years, um, in different organizations, different areas. Um, for me, I mean, you go into a commercial gym, I hate to, I hate to say it, but I, I, I would think that most people would, would agree if they're in this industry, when you go to a commercial gym, for the most part, it's really about the numbers, right? So yeah. if you're a fitness manager, um, has a few potential clients, it's not that, you know, it's, 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 it's about signing those people up. Right. So I was kind of given, um, I was kind of just given clients, um, of all sorts. And I think that's actually, it's, it's crazy, but it's also, if, if you actually take your craft seriously, it's probably a blessing in disguise, you know, because you get to meet so many people, number one, right? So you're just learning about people, which is what you, it's all about them when you're training them. It's, it's about that person, that's their situation, um, what they're able to do, what they're not able to do, what their goals are. Like, you know, I think we really, I think as an industry just tend to really miss that, you know, like you just because, just because you become a trainer, it doesn't, just mean, Hey, let's give everybody the same exercise, the same workouts, the same, this, the same, that, like being in that commercial gym and knowing again, just knowing how bad I wanted to be that great. Um, it really just put my brain into overdrive. It just, it, it made me hungry for more knowledge. Like, you know, my, my 4 PM client could be a 70 year old woman, um, who's just getting into exercise has no idea anything. And then my five o'clock is going to be somebody who has really good exercise experience, um, who wants to get better at a squat. And you know what I mean? Like it's just so many goals, so many variables. So tailoring the training and the experience for them, cause that's what it is. Essentially it's, it's a, it's an experience when you're training people. Right. So, um, you want to leave your clients with the best experience and, confidence, you know, and you want your clients to have confidence in you knowing that they came to the professional, the professional really should know how to deal with them. You know what I mean? So it's, um, it's one of those things, man, where, you know, going into that gym and, and just getting clients. And then of course, you know, people watch, you know, people watch you in the gym. They might, they may never say a word to you in the gym. And that's happened several times to me. Like I've, I've had clients where they 
never a word whatsoever. And, but they're watching and watching and watching. They watch you work out. They watch you work your clients out. And if you show that you're about your clients and you, sh- and, and they see that you have, that you're not giving the same, you know, the same workouts to your, to this, all these different clients and they see that you're, uh, that you're really in tune with their craft, they're going to, they're going to come up to you and ask you for training. You know, like you don't even need to, you know, hard sell them like, Hey, you should train with me. No, it's, they're watching you. They know if they want to train with you or not. And I think that's, that's one thing that many people miss. Yeah. Like I remember I started at a big box gym and I wish I knew as much as I do now back then. Cause it would have been so much easier. Cause like that place was all about how much are you going to sell this month? How much are you yep. going to sell this month? And you get like stressed and you're just like trying to do whatever you can to like make that sale and all your focus from, you know, it should be on your client is what are my numbers at this week? Or, yeah. I, I just hated that situation. And then even like the atmosphere of a big box gym, if you have a brand new person coming in, like it's kind of intimidating when you go into that big section where all the dumbbells and squat racks are and there's a bunch of big meatheads just like grunting and staring at themselves in the mirror and you're like, uh, maybe not today. And they like just go to the cardio section, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's, and that frustrated me as a trainer in the gym, but it was so a very great opportunity. Um, you know, for me, when I left my gym, I was, you know, like top two other trainers there. Right. So like even selling at that point was not an issue. Um, I wasn't starving for clients, but my encouragement for people that might be listening that are trainers that really want to do more, um, like I said, you know, people are watching. People want to know that you're going to give them the best service and the best training that you can give them in the time that they spend with you. And that requires you to actually really be in tune with them, to listen to them, to, you know, when they have their reservations, to really explain to them not shoot them down, but just explain like, hey, you know, if a person, you know, I guess as an example is, all right, a person comes to you, they say that they work out six days a week and then you check their form on, you know, uh, the most on a body weight squat and it's horrid. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, you know what they want. They're telling you what they want. And if you if you have to revert from that and do something a little bit differently, to get them to where they want to be, it's about, again, communicating that with them and making them understand and feel comfortable and confident in your ability. And that was the biggest lesson that I learned because when I, my very first client, I, and believe it or not, she lives in Germany, she's married, and she was, uh, we, we're still, you know, we still have conversations today, and she was my client in 2012. And my thing was when I first trained her, I automatically assumed that she knew how to use dumbbells and barbells and kettlebells. Like I, because I knew I had that knowledge, but you have to remember that these people don't know anything. Hence the reason why they're coming to you. And that was kind of like that aha moment for me. I'm like, wow, like I got to take my ego out right now. I got to take, I got to be, I got to do this for them again. You know what I mean? And that really just, that changed my outlook on training. And I think if people open up, you know, if not people, if trainers open up their, their eyes and, you know, they kind of shut down the, the ego a bit when it comes to training, 
you know, because, yeah, you might have a great body. It's fine. You might have – you might be super strong. You might have great, you know, great um, great knowledge. But none of that matters if the client that you're working with, one, can't do any of that. But two, just doesn't feel comfortable with you enough to even receive what you're trying to do, right? So that's probably my biggest thing, especially in the gym and, and, and getting the clients and whatnot. Yeah, like this is where I kind of want to go into is like – the online training like idea because you know i've been thinking about it where the amount of time you spend with like a brand new client face to face in person you can almost get a lot more feedback and energy and almost like coaching to them so then you know that beginner client that has a horrible squat in three weeks they can actually squat in like a goblet position with some weight whereas like if you had a brand new client like that just online you might have more experience in this than I do, but like, how do you coach someone online? That's kind of that example I just gave to make sure that they're doing everything correctly. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Um, so I first tell this to anybody who's considering going into online coaching. Don't go into online coaching until you've had experience in the gym with real people. I think that is probably the biggest issue with fitness in, 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 in the realm of personal training right now. Like that is like the biggest epidemic is people. And this is obviously a hell of a lot more complex than, you know, we probably can even cover today. You know, I don't even have all, you know, I don't have all the statistics, so to speak, but for one, anybody can go online right now, change their Instagrams and Facebooks to say that they're a trainer simply because they might know how to train themselves really well, or they might have a really good body or good physique, um, and call themselves a trainer and have no knowledge, right? Because you don't know, you have to remember when you're in person, like, you know, when you're in person, you have the, you're practicing your language, you're practicing the communication, you know, your verbiage, it matters. The, you know, how you, how you give how you get people to understand, um, how you get people to understand, you know, how to do certain movements is, is critical, right? Um, for instance, let's talk about the squat. I actually have, I've, I've, my, you know, I've been getting a lot more older clients online who might have had trainers before or may never have trained before or just completely new to lifting. So of course, you know, there's going to be some reservation, you know, even, you know, when, when some people send in the applications, they're like, you know, they're really scared to go into the dumbbell section. Like, and I, and I've read that numerous times because they just don't know what to do. They are overwhelmed. They don't feel confident. And I'm like, okay, well, if I'm in the gym with you, you're going to have a little bit more confidence because you know that I'm there with you. But Obviously, if you have the knowledge and you have the ability to speak to these people in person, when you're typing to them online, just type to them as if you're talking to them in person. So an example of that is I have a woman who's in her early 60s right now. Um, she is a freaking firecracker, dude. Like she's an amazing woman. I think she, and she really like set the bar high for, especially that older population that I work with. Um, but she's all, she, I make sure that communication is number one. When you train with me online, if you do not communicate 
with your trainer, then that trainer cannot assume that you know everything, you know, that they can't assume that something's wrong. They just have to assume that everything is going well if you are just doing your program and there's no issues. But I make it known that, hey, especially when I send out programs, I make it mandatory that they record themselves. Listen, we're in 2017. Everybody's got an Android. Everybody's got and all of them have front-facing cameras or they are working out with somebody in the gym that can absolutely video record them. So I say, hey, record this movement and send it to me for critique. And people butcher goblet squats all the time. People butcher Romanian deadlifts and cable pull-throughs. Like these are some of the more regressed, even, even something like a stability ball leg curl you would think is a very simple exercise. However – you know, I have, and sometimes they're just not good. They're, the, the form is totally incorrect. So that it's up to me as the trainer to now give them to, give, give them a critique and language that they'll understand and that they can recite in their head as they do it. And sometimes it might take one critique. It might take weeks to get, uh, get critiques. Um, you know, sometimes it says, I, you know, they might send me a video. I'll freeze the video screenshot it and then I'll just open up paint and then I kind of will draw lines as to where I want them versus if they can see where the photo is and it changes and you know once you give them visuals along with you know the language what they what they're reading and something that that makes sense to them it's completely different you know it, it make it, it really changes the game for them and it makes them do the it makes them do it correctly so anybody out there listening you know, with, when it comes to, let's say, goblet squats, I see goblet squats, again, butchered. And I always tell them, you know, I'll, I'll type it. I will, and I'll send the screenshot. But I'm like, you know, with your goblet hold, you know, you don't hold the dumbbell and flare your elbows out. I want you to squeeze that dumbbell with your forearms while holding onto the dumbbell. Right there changes the entire thing for them. Because now I'm like, all right, now let's set up your feet. Um, I want your feet at a position maybe just let's let's start just outside your shoulders and we can play around with you know the the width of your stance you know depending on how you squat the next time but i'm like look sit your butt in between your feet and keep your chest up as you go down like you it's it's simple language keep your chest up as your butt goes down and it changes the game for them so it's but you people don't know that unless they've had to say it countless times, hundreds of times in person with somebody with varying different people, right? With, with all different types of squats. So that's just one ask, you know, uh, one aspect of the in-person versus online. So they all, obviously they will both have the pros and cons. Um, but I think, you know, it's definitely a con if you're going to go straight into online training without actually being in the gym for a little bit. Yeah, like I think you need to like how they say it, like be in the trenches for a while and pick up yeah. like the experience so then you can do that online and like what you said like cuz I just started getting into online training and I have like a handful of clients and once a month I actually like to do like a screen share through Skype and then I'll actually go through each exercise that they send me that they felt like it wasn't that great and I can actually show them with like drawing lines and they're like, oh, okay, I get it. Cause they're, everyone's a visual learner. Like it just clicks that much easier. Cause yep. even in person when I'm trying to like teach someone how to deadlift or just hinge their hips back, 
like I can say all the right things and even touch them and it'll still won't get it right away. So it's just like practice, 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 and then show them, show them, show them. And eventually something clicks. Exactly. I think, or actually like, you know, one of the best things, um, I don't know if you've done this and one of the easier ways that I've found that even the most beginner learns a move quickly is to one start in the end position because if they know where if they can feel where they need to get to then you can kind of reverse it and get them to that start point so for instance let's say i'm doing a reverse lunge i'll have somebody start in that half kneeling that 90 90 position 90 degrees at the knee 90 degrees in the back leg and then i'll have them push off their front foot and stand up when they return, they know where they're returning to because they felt that position. It's all about that the body awareness, right? They know. So now it's just that transition, but the transition comes a lot easier when they've learned to start from the end. And a lot of movements you can do that with, right? So, you know, even something like a squat, it might start off with a box squat with, you know, maybe like a, a goblet hold with a box squat. And I say, hey, I want you to put your feet here. I want you to sit down as if you're sitting down in a chair and I want you to hold this dumbbell and I want you to stand up with it. Then I'm like, all right, sit right back down to that, that the, the position you just started from. And it clicks because they know where they have, they, they know where they were, they know where they're going, they know where they have to go back to. And that tends to work very well for most beginner clients. Yeah, so I, I love that. Yeah, so I think, I, I really think that that's, that's, you know, but again, I was trying so many different types of cues and variations of movements. And sometimes it's not that a person can't do the movement. It's just that they don't know the cue. They just haven't, hasn't, their, their brain hasn't, and the cue that you give them just doesn't click to the muscles that they're trying to work. But if you can, you know, get the, if you can find some type of word or language that they can relate to, it changes the entire game and it makes your job as the trainer that much easier. Oh yeah, definitely. What, what's interesting like to me is like the age range for online clients. Like what's the typical age range that you have for your uh, clients? Man, my, my youngest is she's in her early thirties, 32, 33. My oldest is, 59 or 60 wow nice yeah and believe it or not um you know with the they say with age comes wisdom right it's a lot of my older clients that tend to excel a lot better than some of my younger clients simply because they like they they want to listen they want to know these things instead of kind of coming into it with i've done this i've done that I think I can do this. You know what I mean? Like they just, you, you, you know, you, you obviously meet them where they're at, but there's a more of an, I think the older that they're getting one, they're not really, I mean, and I guess we'll get, uh, we'll get into this a little bit later in the, uh, in this interview. Uh, but, uh, for instance, a lot of people that I deal with are fat loss clients or like their body composition clients, right? Like they want to put on muscle, they want to lose fat, they might want to compete, et cetera, et cetera. Um, some of the old my, my older clients like yes they want to lose body fat but they're not stressing over it because they you know they they've gotten comfortable with themselves and their body to know that this is where they're at 
they know where they want to get to. They're just going to do the work now instead of people, you know, instead of like, you know, the younger clients, you know, who are like, you know, why is the scale not moving? Why isn't this happening? Yada, yada, yada. Get what I'm saying? So there's also that, there's also that mentality between the young and the old. Um, and obviously like, you know, like I said, you know, the, the older clients just tend to be a little bit more patient. And I think that's, that's also a great thing. They, they, they again, they want to learn. So it, it makes, um, it makes my training that much easier. Yeah. I, I like uh, that age range between like 40 and 50 because they're just in there to move better, feel better, and they don't really worry about nutrition, but because they're so consistent and they're eager to like do this for the long haul, it kind of all comes together because they're not stressing exactly. about, oh shit, should I have like a burger today? Oh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't. And then they're like, it's just a whole like stress thing that messes a lot of people up yeah for sure i mean at the same time you know um yeah you you pretty much did hit it on the head like they're in it for the long i think everybody who gets into it they want to be in it for the long haul but i guess like the older population they know what work is right like they've been working in corp you know in corporate america corporate or wherever for and they're almost retiring, so they know what work is, and you know they know they they've been in something in a career for twenty years, twenty five years, thirty years, right? So they know what the longevity of something is to make it happen. So they're definitely more in it for the long haul, and I think that's awesome. Um, if, but then again, you know, I'm, this is not to talk down or, or talk bad about the younger population, the younger generation, because I'm only 29. I didn't even hit 30 yet. I hit 30 later on this year. Um, and I would consider myself, obviously, part of that younger generation where, like, of course, I want things to come a little bit faster, but I'm also, uh, I'm a little bit more, uh, since I am educated in this and, like, I am more self-aware, like, I'm like, all right, it's not going to happen as fast as I want it to. And I think that's, you know, that's definitely another kind of uh big difference between that older population and the younger population is that the younger population, they want it to happen like overnight and they're looking for that quick fix. Whereas like the older population, they're just like, all right, I'm here, I'm in it. I'm ready to do this. And it is what it is. Yeah, definitely. Cause our generation, it's like, you never hear them talk about a five-year plan anymore. It's like in 12 months, I want to make more money, have a six pack and travel lots. <laughs> exactly. And Hey, don't get, don't get it twisted, dude. Like I'm that guy too. Like, you know, I was that guy, you know, but, you know, heck, you know, me and you, you know, I have to be honest and you're my first podcast. And I'm like, that's why I was like even super, even that much more excited because like I had the opportunity to, to really get on a podcast and I've always wanted to, but it took me five years to do my first one. Yeah. Right. Like people think it's just going to happen overnight, you know, and it doesn't, you know, people, you know, it's, I'm one of my you know, one of my favorite rappers. Well, not really favorite. He's he's definitely up there though. Is this guy Big Sean? And you know, Big Sean. He was like, you know, his you know his overnight success took him ten years, right? Yeah. Like that's the thing. Overnight successes are not overnight successes. They they take time, you know. And it's just like, eh. I think that the that my older population they actually hammer that into me a little bit more so it makes me feel a little bit better so i'm like eh, all right we got plans you know we're, we're planning we're doing and that's it because people only see the stuff on the surface that's like freaking awesome but you never like experience what happened oh, before and my like, goodness you're right yeah <laughs> like um 
because uh, I love the tech world and like social media and stuff like that. And there's a lot of people who talked about like Instagram when it was sold to Facebook for whatever, like $3 billion or like, and now everybody wants to create the next app. But the guy who created Instagram took like 10 years of programming it and like fine tuning it and then eventually had his big payday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, come on this. And how many people out there are going to really create the next Instagram? Like Instagram's here to stay. Facebook's here to stay. YouTube's here to stay. Like, you really have to create something that the world cannot live without in this day and age in order for oh, yeah. it to really, you know what I mean? And that's anything, right? That, that's not just fitness. That's not just tech. That's everything. That's, that's, that's the medical field. That's, you know, that's finance. That's, you have to create, if you're going to create something with longevity like that, you better make something that's so damn needed and necessary that once it comes into the hands of the, you know, the world, like they have to, they they have to have it now. Like, and there's no way that it's going to go back and it's going to turn from there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so kind of want to shift into uh, nutrition and kind of ask you like, what's your approach to it? Cause there's a lot of people in our industry where they're like paleo only macros only and habits only. Like what's your approach? So all this is really tied in like, you know, people have tried to keep all this crap mutually exclusive and it's kind of stupid because the only, all right, like, all right, I'll say this from a nutrition standpoint, you know, I actually, I'm very, very, very anti like supplements that are being sold all over freaking social media. Right. (laughs) Um, I, I, I get people have a hustle. I get people, um, I get people are trying to make some extra dollars, but you know, there's nothing inherent. There's nothing actually special about supplements, right. That are out there in general. I'm not going to, I'm not going to name out and call out any, any, um, specific, you know, specific brands. Cause that's not fair, but like, there's just a lot of things you don't need. And obviously like my clients, I give them macros. Um, but number, the number one thing that matters is calories. So it doesn't matter if you're paleo, it doesn't matter if you're Mediterranean, it doesn't matter if you're zone, it doesn't matter if you're South Beach, it doesn't matter if you're a vegetarian, a vegan, uh, if you only eat freaking meat, if you're raw, if you're, you know, if you're doing any of this stuff, what matters is calories. So when people go through these drastic measures of, I'm going to go vegan because vegans lose a lot of weight, well, number one, you, they basically have cut out so many things that have you know so much food that they're not intaking that many calories and they're basically living off of plant-based diets right which are you know plant-based anything is very low in calories so of course you're going to lose that weight but one it's not sustainable um over the long term and unless of course you know you're you're supplementing with you know protein and you're maybe getting you know plant-based proteins um maybe soy protein if you're combining like hemp and pea protein to make a complete one like there's just so many variables when it comes to that but what matters is calories and you know the summation of proteins fat and carbs are what give you your calorie intake so while yeah like you know my population is again the the people because there's a, a there's a, a difference between weight loss and fat loss my 
most of my clients want fat loss. So what does fat loss entail? Fat loss entails maintaining your lean mass. So this is not just your lean muscles, obviously. This is bone density. This is, um, you know, because lean mass is also includes like your organs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, anything after that, you know, anything, anything else is fat mass for the most part. And, you know, people want to lose fat. So, you know, there's research that we look at when it comes to protein recommendations. And, you know, then there's research as to how many calories, uh, how many total, uh, how many grams of fat come from total calories. And then, you know, the remaining, uh, calories will come from carbohydrates. Um, and, you know, the, I want to say Brad Schoenfeld posted several, uh, research studies on this, but like, you know, for instance, people, there's like a big boom on keto dieting right now, which is, in my opinion, ridiculous. But I mean, keto has its place. All diets have their place. If, if it's a diet's not a good diet unless it's sustainable and maintainable over a lifeline, uh, a, a, a lifetime, right? So, like, yeah, like, could keto, uh, for instance, help you lose fat quicker? No, it'll absolutely you'll lose a lot of water weight really quickly because you're decreasing your carbohydrate intake, and obviously when you when you in, when you intake carbohydrates, you're also going to be uh, holding a little bit of water. Um, but that said, when you know it's shown over and over again that when protein is matched in all these diets, they all work. When protein is because that's the key when it comes to body composition. Right, so main, you know, having X amount of protein to maintain your lean mass while training and dieting to lose fat mass, you know, setting your protein is one thing, and then whatever the hell you decide to do essentially with carbs and fat, that's on you. That's it's kind of personal preference. Um, but there's no wrong way to diet. I'm sorry, there's no real. I mean, there's no wrong way to diet except when you're doing it. When you're do, taking drastic measures, right? So, you know, I obviously, you know, macros is calorie counting. You know what I mean? But also, you know, tracking your macros is also a habit. And sometimes you just have to build on habits. So, for instance, for a new client, I found that there's like a two-week learning curve, around a two-week, two to three-week learning curve, where somebody can actually learn how to track their macros correctly and like they actually hit them. Because, you know, we, we go over, you know, what's high in protein but low in fat and carbs, uh, what's high in carbs but low in protein and fat, and what's high in fat but low on carbs and protein. And then you have those in-betweens that are like high in carbs and protein but low in fat or high in carbs and fat but low in protein, yada, yada, yada. There's all different foods in all these different spectrums. So no food is off limits. Not like there's no food group off limits. You just need to eat to hit your goal. And again, so for somebody who struggles with trying to hit all their macros, I'm like, all right, let's let's start with these basic habits. Let's start with getting more protein into your diet. So we'll 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 have goals. We'll have protein goals and calorie goals because again, calories matter, protein matters. What you decide to do with your carbs and your fat in the beginning, eh, all right, we can you know we can toy around with that, but I what I care about right now is your carbs and I mean is your protein and your and your calories. Um, so obviously you know I give calorie recommendations, I give the protein target, and then we go from there. And it's all intertwined. There's no real there's no real difference, so to speak. You know, some people will just say, all right, 
you know, eat your lean, pro, you know, eat some, you know, couple lean proteins, um, eat uh, one serving of a carbohydrate and a tiny serving of a fat at each meal. And hey, that will work. That that works for some people to a point, right? Until you are no longer in that calorie deficit, because you need to be in calorie deficit to lose, and you need to be. And in order for you to gain weight, you have to be in a calorie surplus. So, yeah, that's really it. And, you know, I think people take you know try to do this whole if it fits your macros thing. A hell, you know, makes it way harder than you know. You're not an if it fits your macro coach. Like you get what I'm saying? Like you're not. You know, it's it's it's. Knowing your macros doesn't, and and being able to give them to somebody doesn't make you an if it fits your macros coach. It just makes you a person that knows that this person needs X amount of calories, and the macronutrient breakdown might be the best one for them. You know what I mean? So it's it's really not that. Um, you know that that's kind of like my approach. My approach is kind of very well rounded. I don't. I'm not like anti any of that stuff. I think they all they all obviously all have their place, right? So yeah. that's how I look at it. Yeah, I find like usually if you just like switch one thing around for your clients, it makes a whole big difference for them. And like with every person that I coach, it's like usually protein is always under eaten for some reason. And I kind of just like experiment, like just eat more protein, see what happens to your body. They tend to lose fat and become more lean. And they're like, oh, I should be eating protein like this all the time. I'm like, yeah, why not? (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, because, you know, protein, you know. And this is like just the base of all, you know, this is like kind of basic knowledge, but, you know, protein is very satiating. It keeps you full longer and you also burn more calories to digest it, right? So, and obviously every cell in your body is made up of proteins, right? So like protein is a very important macronutrient. They're all very important. Um, But, you know, let's just say this, like, for a person who's a little more overweight, I might give them slightly more fat than I give them carbohydrates. Would it be different if I gave them more carbohydrates and less fat with the same protein intake? It may or may not make a difference, but based on, you know, just based off of experience as well as, you know, some of the research out there, like, you know, just the, the more overweight people tend to be a little bit more insulin resistant. Which is not – I mean obviously I'm not going to say it's a bad thing or a good thing, but they will just intake less carbs. But then the leaner they get, you can you know up their carbohydrate intake. You know They become – or you know you can boost carbohydrate intake around your workouts, right? You know Because you're going to be – you're going to be using that – especially with weight training, you're going to be using that as your immediate source of energy, right? So it, it really – there's so many ways to do this, dude. Like it's – there's almost infinite. But again, what matters is calories and quite honestly, the most important when it comes to body composition is protein. And then when you play with your carbs and your fat, it is what it is, you know? Yeah, so. definitely. So if you had a brand new person that wanted to start tracking their macros, what would be the macro split that you would suggest them to try out for the very first time? So I would say – it depends on who they are. Um, so, you know, I actually got some flack for this when I wrote this article about, you know, like start off with one gram per pound of body weight. Um, now, mind you, you know, the research will say, all right, you know, for a person who's really overweight, they might not need that much. It's, a, you know, because protein is also very, just in general, a very expensive 
macronutrient, right? Like chicken is more expensive than Doritos. You know, steak is more expensive than, you know, even fruit, you know, like whatever case may be like, you know, so it's easier to grab, you know, grab carbohydrate and fat sources. But I say this, you know, like, all right, we have to, you know, if you want to learn how to track your macros, like, well, first and foremost, like, have you ever counted your calories before? And some people have never counted calories and not to say that you have to count calories for your lifetime, but it's also a great tool to, it's a great piece of knowledge to know because once you start understanding your calorie intake, you then start realizing that some of the most basic foods you might be eating, whether you, you know, whether it's, you know, in quote healthy or not, and which in my opinion, there is no such thing as a healthy food or unhealthy food. The poison is always going to be in the dose. Um, you know, like if, you know, we, we start with calories and then we, again, we go to protein and I'm like, all right, like one of my, one of the exercises I had in my coaching group yesterday, cause there are some people that are again, very new to tracking their macros. Um, I'm like, all right, here's what we're going to do. You know, I want you to take the amount of meals that you normally eat in a day and I want you to pick, you know, I want you to pick your protein sources. And like, you know, we have a, a, gra- a, a little graphic made um, that we give all of our clients and that has a pretty extensive list of like low carb or no carb, low fat or no fat protein sources. So, lean, you know, chicken breast, extra lean ground beef, extra lean ground turkey, uh, certain types of fish. Uh, I'm not going to include salmon on this list because even though it's very high in protein, it's very high in fat. So, um, but like maybe like tilapia or cod, um, uh, what else? You know, zero percent fat, Greek yogurt, uh, egg whites, things like that. Like these are, you know, deli meats even. Like these are all low fat, low carb protein sources. So I say, all right, pick the ones that you want, that you know that you like, that you want to eat. Because again, it's all about what they want, what they like. It's just the amounts that they need to get it. You know. So I say, you know, I want you to put into your my fitness pal one protein source in each of your meals. And I want you to get as close to your protein uh, goal as possible. Leave like you know maybe five or ten grams, because obviously when they start adding fat sources or carbohydrate sources, those will have trace proteins in it, and it'll obviously increase their protein intake overall. And you know, next thing you know, it's like wow, this was actually a lot easier than I thought, because people think way too much. Focus on what matters, and then the other stuff will come. Will just kind of come as it as it does. So I just tell them keep it simple. Worry about your calories and worry about your protein. Yeah, I think like for the average person, there there's so much information out there, and they constantly think, "Oh, that's what I should be doing." Oh, wait, maybe this thing is what I should be doing, and they just kind of bounce around with all these different approaches and methods, and they're just like, "Nothing's working." <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I you know, and 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 to really piggyback off that nothing's working thing, that's because program and you know eating. All these, the results that you're looking for just aren't acute results. These results aren't going to happen in two weeks. Shit, they're not going to happen in four weeks. They might not even happen in six weeks. Like, yeah, little things will happen. Like, you know, the moment you start, you know, if you're a person who was eating very little protein and a lot of carbohydrates and a lot of fat, and then we now monitor your intake. So now we're hitting your protein and then you're, you've now cut your fat. I mean, you cut your fat and protein a little bit because you're making better nutritional choices to reach your goals. 
yeah, you're going to drop a few pounds because you're probably going to drop a lot of that water weight <laughs> that you were holding because you were just eating way too many carbs and way too many fat um, and too little protein. But that's, again, once that, once that water weight goes, it really is your body's desire to drop the fat when it does like you have you really have nobody really has any control over it like you we can give averages like oh we can say oh a a steady half a pound or a quarter pound or a steady pound a week is a good is a good measurement but that is in the lab right like that's not actually how things work in the real world so you know there's you know things like whooshes that happen when you're just we're doing everything you can do and then all of a sudden, you know, like for like two, three weeks, your weight stalls and you're like getting really pissed off. And you're like, oh, it's not working. It's not working. It's like, no, give it a time. You know, give it some time. Like I won't change somebody's macros for like four to six weeks, you know, especially with women because of the fact that they have their cycle. Um, when that time of month comes, they tend – obviously they retain more water. They become more bloated. Uh, sometimes their appetite goes crazy and I – excuse me i can't you know as a coach i can say hey like try to be more body aware with your you know and and try to you know keep your hormones in check from when you're and try not to overeat but listen i can't i can't make somebody i can't make anybody not overeat or i can't make somebody you know eat more like it's something it is what it is and again that's life but when you're consistent over a long period of time with the same things you'll see better results oh 100 percent on that um have you ever seen like bad advice from coaches regarding how to track macros and how to do them hell yeah <laughs> um of course dude like i hey i'm i'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and say that i'm the guru of nutrition i'm not i'm just another coach that loves to learn and and coaches clients but you know when you're telling when you're telling somebody that oh macro counting doesn't work or when you're saying you can do your macros but you can only eat these foods like that still does not help these people you get what i'm saying like yeah it's not like how can I say this? It's very frustrating, but you know, or even just like, Oh, you know, I eat macros. I, you know, Brian Cron, shout out to Brian Cron. Um, he made a post about this. He's like, you don't eat macros. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you eat your food. You're not going to like, Oh, I I crushed my macros today. Like, no, I, I, I ate my food the way I I was supposed to, (laughs) you know what I mean? And I get language matters, but when you're a coach and you're telling your people, um, you know, eat all of your macros, eat all, like, no, it's just, I'm like, no, eat your food. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it, it's, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to the grocery store and shopping for macros. I'm shopping for food and I'm making better food choices so that I can, I can still indulge. Like, you know, I, I did it. I'm off an eight week mini cut, but within this time, you know, there was plenty of times I didn't follow my, my macros. I just I stayed within my, my calorie range. I went out and had chicken and waffles and a couple of beers with my friends who were here, who were visiting. But then when they left or I just didn't want to go out that day, I stuck to my macros again. Because, again, it's the consistency. It's life. It's not like this. This, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. It's not going to happen week after week. You're not going to drop week after week. Like this just does not happen like that. And people's expectations need to be 
re relearned and and reconsidered when they're doing when you know when they start to diet and they start to do their macro counting and 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 their eating and their training the, the way that they should yes like <laughs> i had this conversation so many times with my clients where it's like for some reason when people start eating healthy they just think and expect that every day is going to be perfect <laughs> and when they have that one day where you know their friends invited them out to have dinner downtown and they eat something that they're not supposed to. They're like, oh, my God, the whole world's going to end now. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like, and, and that's and, and honestly, dude, like with my coaching, you know, this is I don't I don't preach that. Like you're like dieting and training does not mean that you don't have a social life. It doesn't mean that you skip out on uh, on events and like the only uh, and, and, I, and I'll put an asterisk to that. The only time I'd say, hey, like you might have to skip out on this dinner. You might have to skip out on this social event is if you're competing for a show or you're getting ready for a photo shoot or something that's so close and really depends this like so heavily on your physique that you really need to watch what you're eating. But also that's like. One percent of the population that's actually really doing that, right? Like when you really think of competing and competitors and and, and powerlifters and people who compete in in sport where weight matters, where um, where physique matters. When you look at the overarching, you know, humanity in the world, like that's such a small, small, small population, right? So it's it it. it that type of advice just doesn't work for most people. So most people are, they just want to lose body fat. They want to get fit. You know, I don't ever, 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 ever tell somebody, oh, that, that, that's, that's unhealthy. Because you can freaking eat an entire bag of carrots and I'm going to tell you that's unhealthy. Right? Like, you know, you can eat. Because at the end of the day, like what's, you know, it's again, the, the poison is always in the dose. How, you know, you're, the damage you do will is determined by your actions of what you eat, right? Like if you eat a lot of quinoa, right? Like if, if you have two servings of quinoa, you're probably going to have the same amount of carbohydrates or, or same amount of calories as, you know, eating three bags of Skittles. Like your calories are going to be up there. You get what I'm saying? Like they're just going to be, it's, it doesn't really, like, I don't like to, gives you know give clients like this ultimatum like you know either you know when you train with me you're going to eat only this or don't train with me like no it just doesn't work like that you know like people want to have their wine they want to have their beer they want to go enjoy brunch like you have to teach them how to do it in a way that they can still hit their goals and still and do it guilt-free because people shouldn't be guilt you know feel guilty about living life at all yeah totally like you have such good insight this is like just awesome (laughs) I just feel like I was that jerk off, honestly. Like I was that jerk off guy that when I first, I remember, you know, this is kind of like a side, uh, a side story, but I remember before my very first bodybuilding, it was IMBF uh, Federation. So it was, uh, it was obviously, I'm a natural in general, but it was just purely natural um, bodybuilding. And I remember I'll never forget this because I to this day I still feel awful that I even did this. But like my you know my dad was helping me like we were making breakfast, and this was around the time where you know people were like oh don't have any salt don't have any salt don't have any salt yada yada yada, and I remember my dad made me eggs, and he put salt in it and I flipped, 
And I was like, you know, oh, I can't eat this now. Like, I got there's salt in it. Like, my dad got pissed at me. It's <laughs> like, just eat eggs. Well, we got to an argument about this thing, and I'm like, wow, if I knew then what I knew now, I'd just be like, screw it, I'll have my eggs. Like, it is, I knew how many eggs I was having. I could just track that. You know what I mean? But I didn't know about tracking my macros then. Obviously, this is years ago. But like, people they become monsters when they start dieting, and I'm like, you don't need to. Like you get what I'm saying? Like salt's not going to kill you. Like none of that stuff's going to, you know, none of that stuff matters, right? Like it, it's, again, it only matters when you're freaking doing it in excess and you're doing it in, 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 uh, in, in dosages and in amounts where like, yeah, it can do some damage to your overall goal. But, you know, going out and having a beer, you know, or two beers every other week is not going to kill your progress. You might have to cut back on your, you know, on maybe your bit of your alcohol intake. You might need to cut back on some of those nice desserts that you want to have at the restaurant. But you can have it once in a while. You know, you can have it if you plan for it, right? Like it's it's just people go way too crazy over this nonsense, and it's just, ugh, just it. And just like if there's more coaches out there that actually cared about, you know, people's lifestyle instead of just trying to get them to just do what they say, do what they say and, 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 you know, get some progress photos and before and after photos so they can continue selling their services. You know, that's, we'd probably have better coaches who actually, you know, where the industry would actually be moving in a much better direction because again, you're gearing it towards the person and their lifestyle, not trying to just, you know, make them do what you want because you need to make it, you know, as a coach, the whole point of your job is to, teach them and make it sustainable make it a lifelong thing dude so, yes yes 100 <laughs> percent um just, so we're gonna have to get you like on the show again for like a part two because you have like <laughs> so much but um because we're already like past an hour like this stuff goes so fast i say this all yeah, the dude. time but uh for the last question can you tell the audience where they can find you online if you have any projects coming up or like fitness products or anything like that go plug away oh yeah dude um so you can find me there's numerous ways to find me uh we'll start off with instagram because i tend to post a lot there um it's just at l-o-u-i-e underscore g-u-a-r-i-n-o so that's at louis guarino um my website is www.lgthetrainer.com um, majorgainsfitness.com gains is with a z not an s um facebook louis guarino um or you can find me under coach louis as well as major gains fitness and you can find me on you know on any of those pages i'm pretty much all over this social media world so you'll be able to find me relatively quickly awesome and yeah and I, oh so I guess I can announce it on here. Um, I will be doing, I'll be launching a group coaching, um, group coaching with myself um, that's geared towards fat loss for people who are beginners, who are, you know, who have less than one to two years of structured training. Um, and I'm in, I'm, you know, currently just getting all that together. I will be posting about it on my coach Louie page as well as my personal page um, because my first my first go around is going to be a, a limited group um, and then 
you know, as, you know, it, it, once I get more feedback and I get, you know, and I really, really, really sharpen it up the way that I want to sharpen it up, um, I will then obviously be opening it up to a much larger group um, at a, t- you know, usually it'll probably be a three, two, I haven't decided yet, but it'll either be a three month or a six month group coaching. And, you know, again, believe it or not, yeah, we will be, you know, dealing with habits first and, you know, calorie counting and getting into macros and having a structured training. And I'm not going to make you go to the gym six days a week because that's just not feasible and sustainable. You know, just really doing it for people that want to make their lives and their physique better without all the nonsense that's out there right now. Awesome. That sounds amazing. Yeah, dude, I'm actually really stoked for that. It's It's been a long time coming, and I'm, like, almost there to, like, launch this first group, which is going to be awesome. Sweet. So I just want to thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. Yeah, dude, for sure. This is freaking awesome. All right, so that's going to wrap up episode 49 with part one of part two. And you'll get the other uh, portion of this interview around mid-August. And the other thing I wanted to bring up is that if you've been following me on social media, if not, uh, Instagram, at Rathmatyshevsky, Twitter, at Rathmatyshevsky, and Facebook, Rafael Matyshevsky, the long last name. Um, I have previewed a little snippet or teaser, if you will, of my transformation challenge. And the little uh, elevator pitch for it is it's an eight-week challenge based on habit-based nutrition that I've been, like, shoving down the throats of every client of mine to uh, follow along to be successful in weight loss. And what the challenge based on is a point system. So for every meal that you eat you get points for every workout you do you get points for every challenge i send to the group you get points and whoever ends up with the most points wins a grand prize it's usually cash a gift card and just kind of keep your eye out for it and i'll be giving you guys more info about it as the weeks progress so until next time you guys we'll see you soon